Hey there, welcome to episode 46 of Podcasting for Educators. Something that podcasters often struggle with is how to figure out how to promote or sell their offers, especially on their podcast. And I know that for many people, it might feel uncomfortable to do that. And you also aren't quite sure what the right balance is of how much free value you should give on your show. If you've ever felt uncomfortable with selling or unsure of how often you should do it, you will want to stick around for this whole episode. I have Melissa Lynn on the show talking all about shifting our sales mindset, ways that we can sell on our podcast, and how often we should be selling, as well as ways to attract more customers. Melissa Lynn is a previously successful chemical engineer turned multiple six-figure business coach and business owner. Over the course of two and a half years, she was trying to DIY her online business, and it went nowhere. She was barely making 1K most months until she decided to push past her fears and take real action. After figuring out powerful strategies and shifting her mindset, she went from barely making it to fully thriving in it. Now she helps other women do the same with their businesses. Let's go ahead and get to the interview. Your podcast is a powerful tool that serves your audience and your business, but how do you manage it all, bring in new listeners, and convert those listeners into customers? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Podcasting for Educators. I'm Sarah Whitaker, classroom teacher turned podcast manager, and I'm here to help you get the most out of your show all while making an impact on other educators. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. We are here with Melissa. Melissa, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited. We've got some fun stuff we're going to be talking about today. So thank you. Warm welcome. So excited. I am excited as well. I'm so happy to have you here and so excited for our, our conversation today. Now, before we jump in to that conversation a little bit deeper, could you tell us just a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? Yes. So this is such an interesting story and I get so many like head turns whenever I share my story. So I'm excited to share it with you. I was actually a chemical engineer turned business coach. I'm going to go into a little more detail on how that happened and how I pivoted and shifted. But I'm going to go back to when I was a little bitty, itty girl. So I am half Chinese and I grew up in a very traditional family. And growing up, my grandparents came over from Hong Kong and they literally knew no English. However, they did know the words husband and doctor. So like that was success (laughs) to them. And I kid you not. Like I would go to the grocery stores with them because they didn't speak any English, um, but they knew those two words. And so from a very young age, that was put into my head of that's what success looks like. You need both of those to be fulfilled in life, to be happy, and we'll be so proud of you. So moving along, went to high school, did the things, was going to be a doctor, learned out pretty quickly. I could not handle the sight of blood, ended up passing out in class. It was such an embarrassment, but you know what? I shifted quickly. Luckily, I was great at math and science, so my parents settled for engineer, and I went with chemical engineering just because there's tons of options. It was kind of a safe option back then, and I went into the real world, and so I was a chemical engineer for about five or six years in the real world, and it's so wild because on the outside, it had looked like I had done it, right? I had made it. I hit the jackpots. 
I was almost at six figures, like early 20s. But what people weren't seeing was what was happening kind of in the inside, right? I was working literally 12 hour days. I was working weekends. I was on call 24 seven, one week of vacation. Like I had to fight to get anything more than that. And I was just frowned upon if you even used any of your vacation. And so I was just starting to just feel my heart get smaller and smaller and smaller. I was mid twenties, like the twenties are your years to go and just live life. And I didn't see that happening. And there was just this one day where I can remember I was leaving work like at 6 p.m. I'd gotten there at 6 a.m. Leaving work. And I saw my mentor, my boss, still there. And then his boss and the CEO still there. And I just saw myself looking into my future. Like, that's where I'm going. That's not where I want to go. So while all this was happening, I was actually really into health and fitness. So I was doing a lot of bikini bodybuilding competitions. And that's when Instagram was really starting to take off. So I was sharing a lot of it there. And people started to reach out to me. And so I had this kind of ding, ding, ding moment, light bulb moment. Wow, I can actually help other people with this. So that's how my first business started. I started as an online health and fitness coach and then scaled that business beyond six figures while in my nine to five and then left my nine to five. Then eventually more people kept coming to me asking, how did you grow your business? So eventually I did pivot to business coaching. I've been doing that for almost five years now, full time as a business coach. And so that is my story wrapped up in just a few minutes. And there's so much we can dive into just in terms of my story itself of leaving my nine to five, the security, the safety, what that looked like. And it's, it's crazy because a few months after I had left, the entire engineering team got cut. And so like, wow, nothing is safe. Yeah. Like no nine to five is safe whatsoever. And what, something that I deeply believe these days is the only safety is really creating your own business, right? Where you are the CEO, that's the safest thing you could do. And my parents might think I'm crazy for saying that, but it's what I deeply believe, especially with everything we've all gone through these past few years. It's been crazy. I know it really has been crazy. You know, so many people lost their jobs during COVID with a lot of people. A lot of good came out of that with starting their Mm -hmm. own business. It's been so crazy seeing how many people have taken that leap and started their own business. I love hearing your story. And as you were talking, it I was forming a lot of connections, even though, you know, me, myself, and a lot of my listeners are either current teachers or former teachers. And although that is a very different career than a chemical engineer, there were a lot of similarities in that you think that this is how your life is supposed to look. And Mm -hmm. you take the steps that you've always thought you were going to take and you get the career. A lot of us as teachers, we grow up from being little, knowing that that's what we want to do. And then you enter the profession and I can very much relate to those 12 hour days and thinking, oh my gosh, is this going to be the rest of my life? And then, you know, a million other challenges with teaching as well. And so a lot of people have now, a lot of them are still in the classroom while forming their business at the same time, like you were doing when you first started. And that's a Mm -hmm. lot. That's a lot to to juggle and to handle. (laughs) So I think it's amazing that you've gotten as far as you have and that you stuck with it and you've become so successful. That's amazing. And so, yeah, a lot of people I'm sure can relate to your story. And I'm really excited to talk to you 
about kind of the sales mindset of being a business owner because when you're a business owner, that is part of scaling your business is actually (laughs) talking about what you offer and being comfortable with that. And so let's talk a little bit about the sales mindset. How can you shift your sales mindset and really start feeling good about selling to people? Yeah, this is such a great question. And I love talking about sales because at the end of the day, like with your business, it's not a business unless you are bringing sales in. It really is just a hobby. And we get to start to feel better about sales and really start to practice it before it can really become, we can become good at it and feel good with it. And it's funny because I can remember like the first time I ever did a sales call or even did any kind of sales talking about sales, my podcast that I started a few years ago, things like that, I was absolutely terrified. And I would just like beat around the bush. I wouldn't really sell. I would just kind of mention it here or there and really be afraid of being sleazy because of all the stories that my parents told me and taught me growing up, stories that my parents are still working through and I'm trying to support them through their sales mindset. But at the end of the day, you just cannot become better at sales until you change your beliefs around them right? We get to start to shift some of those stories. So if you believe that promoting is bad, you're going to subconsciously avoid doing it, right? You won't show up. You won't talk about it on your podcast. You won't show up on social media. And that means no money is going to be coming into your business. And if we are worried about ripping people off, we're again, not going to handle objections. If somebody comes to you asking a question or having a small objection, which is normal, we're human. But it's like a dog sensing a storm. If you don't feel good about sales, people can feel it. And even through listening to you on your podcast, they can feel it if you aren't 100% behind yourself or your offer, your digital download, your course that you have, membership. So you've got to really start to first change those beliefs and then get into the strategy side. But um, let's get into some beliefs that we have. I'm sure you've had some in the past around sales. I know I've had some. I know my parents growing up really put into my head. I want to apologize to my parents. I feel like I'm blaming them and (laughs) putting all of all of the shame on them. No, I love my parents. Love you, mom. Love you, dad. But it did come from them where selling is bad. You know, talking about money. It's very like you do not talk about money in front of other people. You don't tell people how much you make. You do not show how much you pay for things. Like money is bad, bad, bad. And that, I mean, 20 years of my life, it's a long time to start to shift your mindset. But we need to start to create new stories around these that are really going to help reframe, reframe those. So we've got, you know, selling is bad. We can reframe that into selling is helping. Because at the end of the day, if you deeply believe in your offer, if you deeply believe in yourself and what you're bringing to the table, then as long as people are getting into your offers, you're helping them. But people can't be helped. People cannot get that transformation if you're not talking about your offer, especially as things are moving more and more into the online space. Like you've got to be talking about your offer. And this might scare a lot of people when I say this, but I sell every single day in my business. Like I am selling every single day. I talk about my offers every single day on every single platform. 
because I want people to know I have the solution for them. So I know I just babbled on and on, and I'm sure there's some questions there, but we've really got to dive into what those current beliefs are now and start to really reframe them because none of them are facts. And I've got evidence for every single one of them to show you that selling is helping, selling is serving. I think that's one of my biggest mantras is that selling is serving because it really is at the end of the day. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's one of the best lessons that I've learned is if you have something that you have created that's going to help somebody, then you should be proud of that and you should talk about it. And talking about it is really the only way that more and more people are going to even find out about it and be able to then decide for themselves if they want to take action on it, if they want to purchase whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. I think specifically for anybody who's coming from the education space, you know, it is a well-known fact that we don't make that much money in the classroom. And so when you start your own business, I think it starts with this money mindset of Mm -hmm. I can't even wrap my head around the idea that I could actually make more money than I was making in the classroom and that I have control over how much money I make and that there's really no no ceiling when you own your own business. There's so many directions you can go in and so many ways that you can scale. And so I feel like that's the first piece is believing that you – deserve to make this money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then you also, you owe it to yourself and to your audience to actually then talk about it and sell. Yeah. And also just add in just starting to have a neutral look at money, right? Money is not good. Money is not bad. It's a resource to help you and help other people with things But we've really got to start to shift that money mindset and also the sales mindset. Like, I love money. I love money. I love money because money can do so much good in this world, right? And money can also create amazing experiences for you and your family. So just starting to really build up that relationship with money will also really start to shift your sales mindset 1000%. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for some people saying out loud, I love money, I love making money, that probably feels uncomfortable for a (laughs) lot of people. So I think just that right there is like a good action step for people to take today is to practice saying that and know that it's it's okay to admit that. Yeah, definitely. And something that I'll even do as well is I have another mantra where it's one that might scare some folks, but the more money I spend, like the more money I make. Because again, money is just floating around. So I put money out, I get more money in. And so I get the upgrades here or there. And we can do micro upgrades and we're spending money. Right? Maybe you go to Starbucks or your favorite mom and pop coffee shop down the road, upgrade for the caramel syrup, like make a small little micro upgrade to spend a little bit more, even to increase that relationship that you have with money. And again, resource, resource, it's not good or bad, but there's so much money out there, especially in the online space. And I can remember years and years and years ago, like when I had first started my business, even just investing, so like my money mindset on investing in myself and my business and mentors, I couldn't even fathom spending, you know, a few thousand dollars a month or even for a program or course. And now I'm spending 50, 70,000 a year in my mentor. And so it's one of these things that as you continue to work on that, 
it gets easier, it gets easier, it gets easier. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I think, I think that's a lot is to think about making those first investments in your business. Like I know when I first got started making that first invest investment in a web designer mm-hmm. or you know, outsourcing all of these different possible pieces of your business, but you also have to weigh out the time that that's saving you. And if, if you can bring somebody on to do these things for you, then that frees up your time to focus on things that are going to make you more money. Yeah. And also help more people and create a bigger impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm interrupting this episode for a brief moment to answer one of the biggest questions that podcasters have. How do I continue to bring in and retain new listeners? Here's my favorite answer, podcast guesting. When you guest on the right podcasts, you're positioning yourself in front of ideal listeners and customers. This is a powerful strategy when done intentionally, and I can show you how in my mini course, Guesting for Educators. In this course, I'll teach you my three-step approach to landing and leveraging podcast guest interviews. When you join, you'll get access to the course content, templates, swipe copy, and even a list of shows who are currently accepting guests. The best part? You can work your way through the content in less than a weekend. What are you waiting for? Head to www.podcastingforeducators.com slash guesting to learn more. Back to the episode. So what are some ways that you can sell in the online space? Oh my goodness. I could spend (laughs) hours and hours talking about this because I sell every single day. So I would say start with one platform. And you want to, of course, you've got to be way, but you've got to be behind your product, your program, your membership, whatever it is you're selling. You've got to really believe in that and also yourself and know that you're a total boss in what you do and really own that you're that expert and that authority. And it's really just creating awareness around it. And so something that I like to do is I add massive amounts of value on all my social platforms. And then I will typically pitch at the end of that or just let people know if you want more support, this is how you can reach out to me. This is how you can apply to work with us. This is the course you can purchase, the download you can buy. And so I add massive amounts of value because at the end of the day, your value is also another way to sell and pitch, right? If you're giving all of this value out for free, people can't even imagine like what it's going to be like when they hop into your course or your membership. And so as you do that in your podcast, for example, a way that I like to sell in my podcast is I like to share like case studies from my courses and my programs, and then also let people know how to apply to work with me if they want to do so, right? It's not that we're forcing anybody to buy, it's sharing the opportunity to do so. So just talking about your offer, but then also having it available in multiple places. And so in your show notes, having the application to your program or the link to buy or the link to ask questions or book a call, we need to create a few different permission slips for people because some are going to email you about it. Some are going to just buy without ever speaking to you. Some need to hop in a call. And so we want to create multiple permission slips. Your Instagram, if you've got one, I said show notes, your email list, if you've got that. Um, your Instagram stories, but just anywhere that you are online, the more the merrier because people need to see you and hear about it. Uh, it used to be seven to 10 times. These days, it's it's gone way up. Like, yeah. I, your offer. Yeah. 
Yeah, Probably absolutely. 15 to 20 times these days. I, I know. I, I'm trying to remember the exact number. I had just, I read an article a few weeks ago about this and it really, it is, I think in the double digits now because people are just slammed with all this content all day mm-hmm. long. People are constantly selling to them. So you do, you have to talk about it in multiple places, multiple times. And I love what you said about really also focusing on offering value and leading with value. I'm, I talk about that a lot, especially and a podcast is a perfect platform to do that on Mm -hmm. every time that you are recording an episode and putting out an episode for your audience, you are offering value and you're showing up for them and you have every right to then also pitch what you offer and Mm -hmm. share what you're selling. I like that you use the term permission slips, giving them these different places that they can then go and take action. Yeah, 100%. And as you mentioned, it is becoming a little bit more difficult these days to get in front of your audience with, if you're over on Instagram, for example, the algorithm, right? Just the algorithm in any platform, it's becoming more and more difficult So we get to just get out there more and more and it's just getting in front of more people. And also people need to see things multiple times. And if you're afraid to push that post button or record that pitch for your program, ask yourself, take a, you know, zoom out, ask yourself, like, what is the worst that could happen here? Worst case scenario, they unfollow you. Maybe they block you. Well, they weren't going to buy from you anyways. So doesn't impact you whatsoever. Like keep going, add more value your people are out there and the right people are out there for your offer. We just got to get connected with them. You've got to keep talking about your offer because if you talk about your offer, maybe podcast episode 50 for one, one time, but then your first listener doesn't listen till 60 and you don't talk about it again until episode 70, they're never going to hear it. So you get to talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. I pitch multiple times on every podcast episode of mine. We have a pitch at the beginning, and then I'll also drop little pitches and talk about my offer because I want people to know about them and they need them. Lots of case studies throughout podcast episodes, but also, of course, value-filled. So we do a good mix of both. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's the art of finding this balance between value. Like a lot of people ask, am I giving away too much for free? And mm-hmm. I always just like to think of it as, you know, when you're putting out a podcast episode and you're offering all of this value, yes, it's free, but that's a good thing. It's building trust. Mm-hmm. And anytime that they can, that they're going to purchase something from you, whether that's like a one-on-one thing or it's a course, they're going to get more value in that. And even though you feel like you are, I know some people feel like they're broken record when they're talking about the same thing <laughs> over and over again, but you bring up such a good point that people skim through episodes and you get new listeners and they may never have heard you talk about this thing before. And it could be the exact thing that they need. I always tell people, and I tell myself, if I am pitching something or if I have an ad in a podcast and they don't want to listen to it, two things could happen. They could turn off the episode or they can push that fast forward button and Mm -hmm. go past the ad and that's the worst that's going to happen. Yeah. And if you can live with either scenario, you're good to go. Keep going because there's so many, there are 8 billion people in this world and growing. So many need you and your guidance. And um, I want to touch on the whole, how much value to add? How much can I put out for free? Because I get that question a lot from my audience and clients. And I, I deeply believe that you can never put out too much free information. Yes. 
unless you sit there and record like 30 hours of content for one episode. Right. Like, you're not going to give your entire course away exactly. with your podcast episode. I have over 200 episodes with actionable steps in every podcast. And I'm still giving out more and more and more. And I show up every single day. And I'm doing mini trainings and different forms of content. You can never give too much away. Again, it's just creating even more trust with your audience. And with podcasts, I would say podcasts are such a great way to sell. Anyone who listens to like my podcast eventually purchases, right? We've got such a great community of podcast listeners because there's so much that you can do in terms of creating that connection when someone's in their room, headphones in, just listening to your voice, hearing your energy, getting that value from you. Like that's so much, that's so many touch points, like so huge there. So sell, 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 please sell. Yes. Yes. I'm so with you. I, as you were talking, I just, um, I have to share this story as like proof of this. I, this was a couple months ago, somebody reached out to me because you know, with podcasting, it's like, you a lot of the times don't really know exactly who's listening because not mm-hmm. every listener is going to send you a message and say, I'm, I've listened to all of your episodes. Right. And somebody had reached out to me and asked if they could book a – I have one-on-one strategy calls. And they asked if they could book a call. And I sent them the link. And they paid for the call, booked it. And we got on the call. And one of the first things she said was, you know, I listened to all of your episodes you offer so much value that I just wanted to pay you. I just wanted to pay you somehow. (laughs) So, I mean, that is proof that people are listening and people want to, those people that are sticking around, they want to support you and they want to learn more from you. You just Mm -hmm. have to give them the chance to. Exactly. People can't buy from you if they don't know how to pay you or how they can buy from you. Yes, exactly. Now, I'm curious about, because you're a podcaster and you've almost got 200 episodes. That's amazing. How do you, is there any specific way that you track your ROI and you track who is coming from your podcast? I know that there's, you know, there's small different ways that people can do this. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard because people might be following you in in multiple places and it's like a combination of those things that Mm -hmm. causes them to take action. But is there anything that you do specifically to kind of keep track of of that ROI. Yeah, I would say I mean there's some things that take a little bit of tech in terms yeah. of like creating UTM links and things like that to track. However, if you want to keep it as simple as possible, which I definitely recommend in the beginning until you have like a tech VA or something like that on your team, then in whether you've got a digital download or a course. So let's say you've got a course in the client intake form, ask them how they found you. Right. Just kind of like a, is it the Yelp reviews or like Google reviews, Google surveys, whenever you go to the dentist (laughs) or something like you go to an appointment, how did you find us? Just like that. Um, We'll also create different application links. If it's for an application based program, we'll have a different link in or a separate application for the podcast in our show notes so that we can see it came directly from our podcast show notes as well if you don't have the resources to create those UTM links at the moment. So creating some different sales pages, some different links that only the podcast sees. As long as your website is easy to make duplicates, I know some are, some aren't. Yeah. Um, but just simply asking. I think I got on a call with a new client last week and I had no idea where she came from. So I simply asked her and she came from the podcast. 
that I had never spoken to her on social anywhere else. This whole yes. podcast, but just ask. Yeah, I I completely agree. And asking that question, and when you have people respond, it's because of your podcast. That is like the most validating thing ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so now we've talked a lot about how to how to sell and promote your offers to your existing audience. But do you have any tips on how you can attract new people into your business online? For sure. So there are different activities and different pieces of content that do different things. So you've got some pieces of content that are more growth action, growth oriented, right? Bringing new people, attracting new people. You've got content that's more nurturing content and then content that's converting and like closing the sale. And so in terms of growth, I would say if you're on Instagram, if you're on social media anywhere, reels are such a great way to get in front of new people. Right. Your podcast, also a great way to get in front of new people, hands off because of the SEO. I would say those are the two biggest. If you're on TikTok, like that's such an easy way to grow and get in front of new people as well. And then nurturing more so the podcast episodes as well. Like that's such a huge nurturing piece. People need to hear you, need to get in front, need that value before they can actually convert most of the time. Um, and then the actual converting piece is you talking about your offer. So they can't convert if you don't talk about it. And then we we do a lot of our conversions in our Instagram stories as well. But growth, reels, your podcast, collabs, getting in front of more people, going on other people's podcast shows, bringing people into your podcast, another great way to get in front of new people as well. So just a few ideas there. Yeah, that's perfect. I'm a huge fan of uh, podcast guesting. I think it's a great way to get in front of new people and to build your podcast audience because you're mm-hmm. putting yourself in front of people who already listen to podcasts. So it's exactly. a perfect fit for podcasters. Now you touched on Instagram stories. Do you have any any tips about selling on Instagram stories? Yes. So I I feel like I'm a little sneaky. I like to like <laughs> slip it in there. So I like for it. example, I, I did a mini training on my Instagram stories yesterday on how you can cash inject like a thousand dollars this week into your business, whatever number you want it to be. Mapped it out with them in my Instagram stories. Right after the value, I let them know, hey, this is how you can work with me. Or hey, if you want more, this is how you can work work with me. DM me send me a message with a certain word. I think I used next level um, yesterday, but we'll do that. We'll also do graphics. So like ways to work with me in June. Here are the ways to work with me because some people are more visual people. They want to see it all laid out. Someone to listen to you. And so you, again, got to create just different permission slips by just talking about your offer, creating different ways for people to reach out, whether it's to DM you, having the link available for them to just go and apply or go buy. But again, add value, pitch. Add value, talk about your offer. But you can also just talk about your offer. Yeah, absolutely. That's perfect. Now, when you say that you did a mini training on your stories, is that was that like a few minutes of you just kind of being on video, a few different slides? Probably more than it needed to be, but I again give so I'm just yeah. I can't stop myself. It just comes out and it goes, goes, goes. Uh, I it was probably close to fifteen or twenty slides. Okay, like yeah. me talking, but with 
again, like some people need to read the captions. Yes. So I add the captions and a quick note. So if they wanted to come back to it later and didn't have time to sit there and listen, they always can. But we always put all of that in our Instagram story highlights because then when somebody comes back to watch an Instagram story highlight and people creep, people lurk, people oh, lurk sure. all your stuff, <laughs> they'll go through that mini training and then also see that there are ways to work with me because I am also talking about my offers throughout my mini training as well. So again, just different permission slips all over your page in different in different areas in different ways. Yes. And I love that you say people creep because they totally do. <laughs> Even if you're you're out there and you're putting yourself out there and you're talking about your offers and there's going to be lots of people who might not say anything, but at one point they will. And you'll have no idea that they've been watching you this yeah, whole time. <laughs> so many. I My rule of thumb is usually for every one person that does reach out, there's at least 20 or 30 more. Yeah. Yeah. Working, creeping listening. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. That's so interesting. Well, is there anything else that you would like to add about, about just this idea of selling and being comfortable with selling? It's going to be uncomfortable at first. However, like that's where the magic happens is when you step out of your comfort zone, right? That is truly where the magic happens. And selling is so much bigger than just our feelings. Selling is about helping others and putting your impact out there and sharing your gift with the world. And so if we're just always concerned about how we're feeling and what people are going to think about us when we sell, like we're focusing the flashlight on us and it's so much bigger than that. We've got to turn the flashlight to your audience, your ideal clients, what's going to help them, how can we support them and add value and also let them know how we can help them in our courses, our memberships and our programs but really turn the flashlight back to your audience. It's not about us. It's about them. And just add value. Oh, what else can I add in? Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Right? For every no that you hear, there are yeses coming your way. Mm-hmm. Right? I think I heard seven or eight no's before I heard my first yes ever. And I still hear no's. Mm-hmm. Right? I still hear no's. It's yeah. normal. People Humbling. have <laughs> <laughs> Still hear them. And it's okay. We're human. Yes. Um, but also be open to handling some of those objections Mm -hmm. because people will have objections, but again, they're scared too, right? They're scared to make a change in their lives. They're scared for that transformation. What's going to happen when I do take the leap and get that transformation? How do I know I can actually handle that new lifestyle or whatever it is that they are stepping into? So just keep going. My biggest piece of advice, keep going, give it another six months, no matter how scary it feels keep going, jump anyways, take a leap because we were all scared at one point of asking for the sale for the first time. And I promise you it gets easier. You've got to keep going. Yes, that's great advice, especially for those of you who are listening who might be selling and offering things like courses and memberships and maybe even one-on-one services to people like teachers. I know that a big mindset thing that comes up for you is, well, these are teachers and they don't make a lot of money. And who am I to ask them to spend money on me? But again, like Melissa just said, it's you need to take it off of you and really reflect on how this thing is going to help them and make their life easier. And I think that's when, like I always love, anytime anybody reaches out to me and and tells me how one of my things, whether it's free or paid, has helped them. I love to save those and go back and read them when I'm feeling insecure or feeling unsure about anything. I think that that can be really powerful. 
Yeah, I have an entire folder in my phone of all of our testimonials yeah. because I have those moments too. And I tell my clients, make a folder, grab your testimonials, go through them every morning, like start your day with that gratitude. And I want to make a quick mention or talk about um, something you had mentioned just for a quick second about yeah. us feeling that other people can't afford us. So many feel that, especially as you're starting your business. Well, who am I to ask for their money? right? They're needing to save their money for this, this, and this. We can't make assumptions about other people and their money. Hmm. We have no idea. Like maybe they have a trust fund that they just got. Like maybe they've got this huge savings that they've got. Maybe they just sold something, their boats. They could, like, there are just so many things happening where we don't, we don't know. And we can't assume what's going on in somebody else's life. Yes, absolutely. As a service provider, I, especially when you first start out, you have so many money mindset <laughs> challenges around how do I price this? What should my packages be? Are my prices too high? Are they too low? And I have people who will say my prices are too high. And I will have people come to me and say, oh my gosh, your prices are great. I've even mm-hmm. had people say you should raise your prices. So everybody is going to think differently mm-hmm. and that's fine. There's going to be people that can afford what you are offering and there's going to be people that can't and that's their decision to make, not not ours. Exactly. It's about you being available for those who are ready and who are taking that next step to step into that next container with you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this has been so much fun. Thank you so, so much <laughs> for being here. Now, I'd love to know, I have I have two questions I'm going to ask you, but before we get into that, I'd love to know a little bit about your podcast and where people can find you. Yes. So you can find me on social. My handle is now the underscore Melissa Lynn because my Instagram was actually hacked, shut down oh back in January. So that was, I have an entire episode about it, but oh, we're growing no. pretty quick. So, well, we're good to go. Um, however, you can find me there. And then my podcast is the Fierce Business Bay podcast. We've got over 200. I think I just recorded 207 yesterday. It's crazy how fast it goes. It's yeah. 200 episodes. I still can't believe it, but it's all on the website, themelissalyn.com. You can find me on social anywhere. If you just Google me as well, I'm sure I'll pop up somewhere. Yeah. That's amazing. 200 episodes. I mean, a lot of people never reach that point. Do you have any, any advice for any new podcasters out there? Ooh, that's a great question. I would say batch if you're able to, for a long time, I just recorded one episode a week and yeah. That then if I got behind, I was just overwhelmed. So I like to batch I'll sit down and record at least two episodes in one sitting. So I like to be at least a month, if not more, ahead. But just sit down. It doesn't need to be perfect. I've taken some past Facebook lives that I've done and exported the audio and use it as a podcast episode, right? It doesn't need to be perfect, but get it out there and have fun with it. You've just got to find a way to have fun with it because if you aren't, you're going to feel forced to do it and you just won't, you won't do it at the end of the day. So find a way to have fun with it. Yeah, that's great advice. I'm so with you on the batching too. And it doesn't have to be batching 10 episodes, batch sitting down Mm -hmm. and batching two or three episodes at a time is going to get you so much more ahead than if you're doing that week by week, because that really is where people start to fall behind. So that's really great advice. Exactly. 
Okay, now on to the last two questions that I am asking my guests. The first one is just for fun. If you could interview your favorite childhood star on your podcast, who would it be? I love this question because it's something I've never heard. It's, I've never been asked this question. It's such a good one because I was a 90s baby. So there are so many. I feel like that was like the era of the childhood stars. Right. So many back then. <laughs> yes. And I've been feeling so nostalgic lately because I feel like we grew up in a really fun generation that did. they don't, yeah. there's just not those kinds of, st- of childhood stars out there anymore. So I always no. love to hear what people say. If I was to choose one, I'm going to actually choose two just because they come as a pair. Um, but I watched these two girls like from Full House all the way up and through all their little movies and their books and then everything else that they've created with their fashion lines and just everything. But I would say probably the Olsen twins. Like they have probably gone through some wild, wild days yes. where I would just like love to chat with them and just hear a little bit about their experiences and even some of their big life lessons. I think it'd be really cool. But I, I always have for some, I'm not sure what it is, but I have this weird love for TV, movie sets, things like that. Like my goal in the next few years is to take a week or two off and figure out how I can go and hang out on a movie set. Yes. I'll even be an assistant. Like I'll do whatever. Like I'll pay <laughs> you. Let me come hang out. It's on a movie set. Like it was like Star Wars or something cool like that. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I love that sort of stuff because it's, it's nothing I've ever been able to be a part of. Absolutely. That's a great answer. Those would be fun. That, that would be really fun to interview them. <laughs> Did you have a favorite Olsen twin movie? Oh my goodness. Um, I loved Holiday in the Sun. Uh-huh. That oh, was yeah. a great one. Yes. I like some of the older stuff and I even forget they had like a TV series for a few years on ABC Family did where they? they yeah, they did. I can't remember what it was called. I'm going to have to go and Google it. But they were older high school post it had to have been high post high school. Oh my god. College era for yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they just did so so yeah. much. I was so sad to I don't believe they came back for the full house reunion on that. No, no, I don't think they did. I know. What is full house without the Olsen twins? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh man. So fun. So fun. Great question. I'm so happy you asked it. Thank you. Okay. And then second question is, do you have any favorite podcasts right now that you listen to for business or for fun? So podcast right now, I would say my mentor's got a great one. She's been putting out some newer episodes, the Sabrina Phillips show, um, my podcast, of course. But you know what? I've actually been steering. I've taken a little bit of a break because I was so heavy on podcasts for a while. Um, the Tim Ferriss show. I'm such a big nerd for Tim Ferriss. Like mm-hmm. he's one I would love to meet in person someday. Um, I would say those ones are some of my biggest ones at the moment. But yeah, yeah Tim Ferriss show. Perfect. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for being here for this conversation. I I really enjoyed getting to meet you and chat with you. And maybe I'll see you again. Yeah, thank you so much. I've had so much fun. Enjoy, get out there, go sell and just keep going, ladies. Keep going, keep going. Love it. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. To keep this conversation going, connect with me on Instagram at Podcasting for Educators. I'm always looking for an excuse to talk about podcasting. If you're looking for support in launching, managing, or growing your podcast, check out my online course, the Podcasting for Educators Prep School at podcastingforeducators.com slash prep school. I'll see you here next time.